0: Who doesn't love a good superhero story? They are all similar in nature. An everyday person experiences a traumatic event and suddenly gains superpowers that they're able to use in order to save the world. Disney certainly loves them, based on the billions of dollars they've earned from the 125 hours, and counting, of content from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But in the end, it's entertainment. Surely humans couldn't possess superpowers in real life, could they? In this episode, we will look at some examples of people who claim that possessing superpowers isn't fiction, it is real, and it is some weird.
1: Welcome to the Some Weird Podcast, a podcast about strange and unusual stories told by us, the sister and brother team hailing from the island of Newfoundland. I'm your co-host, Chrissy.
0: And I'm your co-host, Barry. In this episode, we're going to be talking about people of real superpowers.
1: Are they a blessing or a curse? Are these people crushed under the weight of great power and great responsibility? Or are they having a laugh, showing off their parlor tricks?
0: Let's get it on the go. Story one, hyphen Barry. <laughs>
1: Before we get into story one hyphen Barry, because we do go by notes, that's exactly what Barry has written in front of him, probably. Who is your favorite superhero?
0: Good question. Um, I would have to go with Batman. <gasps> Adam West Batman, no? Same. Yeah.
1: Batman is my favorite superhero, even though he technically has no superpowers.
0: No, yeah, that's right. He's, he's rich. That's a superpower.
1: I wouldn't mind having that one.
0: That's right. When I was in high school, we used to, on YTV, the uh, Batman show came on and... I yeah. loved it for its campiness. In reality, the Batman was a much more angst filled person than the Adam West portrayal.
1: I told you that I got Adam West's uh, autograph at Comic Con yes. once, right? Yeah. You did tell me that. I think I did it mostly because of you, because you love yeah. Batman so much. Uh, when I met him, I couldn't think of what to say, so I just told him that I love him on Family Guy.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Mayor West, yeah.
1: He's a Mayor West, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's funny. So Batman is your number one superhero, even though he has those superpowers. My kids are not super into superheroes, but my oldest one, favorite superhero, also Batman.
0: Oh, really? My son's favorite superhero was definitely Spider-Man.
1: I think Spider-Man might be the most popular superhero in the superhero world, whether it's DC, Marvel, or other.
0: Him or Superman, I guess.
1: All right, cool. First story hyphen Barry. I guess we can get it on to go. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to talk a little bit about people who claim to have human magnetism in that they they can become magnetic and have magnetic objects stick to themselves.
1: Really? This is the thing?
0: This is the thing. So uh,
1: is that a superpower or not?
0: I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Magneto, certainly uh, he could manipulate metal.
1: But he's a villain.
0: Yeah, well, superpower anyway. That's true. My mind went to this because um, when I was in grade school, we had this teacher that would periodically show up and talk about science. Uh, He wasn't a teacher in the school, but I guess he was a school board employee or something. I guess his job was to go from school to school and talk science. Uh, do you
1: remember this? No.
0: His name was Quick, I think. Mr. Quick?
1: No. Uh, I don't remember this at all.
0: Okay. Maybe it was after some couple years younger than you. Maybe they, they brought that in for our grades said, we need to infuse more science into our Catholic <laughs> schooling. So
1: It can all be exorcisms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. and Talk about why we're all going to hell. So, one day this guy quick shows up to Ah Hollows and he starts talking about an episode of MacGyver. In this episode, MacGyver needed to retrieve a metal object from an unreachable distance. I think I kind of picture it like he was in a cage or something and he had like, for some reason, he had two rods in there, but uh, the the keys (laughs) to unlock the cage was far away. So, he started banging the metal rods together and that magnetized one of the rods and he got his keys and got out and did whatever uh, MacGyver does.
1: Was that an episode?
0: I guess it was. I don't know. I've never watched MacGyver. Did you watch MacGyver?
1: no i'm gonna look up and see when it was actually on it went all the way to 1992 okay it looks like it started in 1985 making you what eight or so
0: yeah i guess they tracked when i would have saw this quick guy in grade school okay but yeah like mcgover like i guess the premise of the show was he used to use science to get himself out of all these jams and i think you know it was kind of far-fetched in what he did
1: <laughs> yeah it's entertainment
0: So anyway, he banged these metal rods together and made a magnet out of it, and uh, he saved the day. So I was thinking, oh, magnets, that'd that'd be a good human superpower. So anyway. Okay. Anyway, I have no idea why this memory stuck with me, you know, 35 years later or however long it's been. But, uh, you know, I came across the idea of human magnetism. I said, that'd be a good uh, superpower to talk about.
1: Here you go. This is where we get our ideas.
0: Yeah, this, this is how my mind works. But anyway, what is human magnetism? It's the idea that humans possess the ability to attract and affix certain objects to their skin. Uh, usually the objects are metal in nature, thus the term human magnetism, but it also can include a glass, wood, porcelain, and plastic. So in, in superhero or supervillain terms, like we already discussed, this would be comparable to Magneto, the main villain of the X-Men universe, played by Gandalf himself, uh, Sir Ian mclennan
1: I like the X-Men too, you know? Remember that used to be a Saturday morning cartoon when I was in university?
0: The cartoon was fantastic.
1: <laughs> I was in university and I would watch it every Saturday morning.
0: Yeah, that no, was fantastic.
1: That and the Tick, another superhero. Never got into the Tick. Oh, I love the Tick.
0: Yeah, no, I know. Our brother was is a big fan of the Tick as well, but uh, it was never really my uh, my thing. Oh, okay. I used to love Gargoyles. I don't know if you ever saw that one. They're bringing that back.
1: You know who else loved Gargoyles? Who's that? Mutter. Really? She loved the Gargoyles. There was a Disney cartoon, actually. was right? a Disney
0: cartoon, yeah, and they're all like Macbeth characters.
1: Uh, yeah, Mutter loved Gargoyles. Yeah, great show. The uh, apple hasn't fallen far from the tree with us.
0: I <laughs> no, guess not. Well, Mother, they're doing a reboot of Gargoyles this season, also keep your eye out for that. So, I know this isn't a science podcast per se, but let's talk about magnets for a second. And before we get into a more scientific explanation, this is what I remember about magnets and about the science of magnets, uh, besides Mr. Quick's MacGyver teachings, which may or may not have been a fig to my imagination. <laughs> uh, there's a North and South Pole. Uh, we had these magnets in school, theoretically, unless I, I, I dreamed this up too. And I was like, they had the same color scheme of those pink and blue erasers, you know, like, um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, those erasers where you try to erase something and it just rips the paper because they're just shit.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: The magnet would be like one would be pink and one would be blue and that'd be North and South. And you know, the opposites, you put the end to the end, it won't match, but if you put end to the S, they'll stick to each other. Right. Yep. Uh, and if you get like a bunch of iron filings and you can put it on a piece of paper and you move it around, it will move around and make all these cool patterns.
1: I remember the iron filings. That was definitely true. Is that safe for little kids to play with? Probably not. Yeah. Anyway, it was the 80s.
0: I remember one time we broke like a thermostat and like all the mercury went in the ground. (gasps) We are like, pick it up.
1: Pick it up?
0: (laughs) We were like trying to pick it up with a piece of paper. We probably died of mercury (laughs) poisoning. Oh my. Anyway, that's what I know about magnets. So, but here's a little bit more scientific uh, explanation. So there's different kinds of magnets. So a permanent magnet is an object that creates a permanent magnetic field. Uh, your standard fridge magnets for example so when you bring a permanent magnet to certain materials the magnet induces a magnetic field inside the other material causing them to stick but all magnets don't work like that uh, there's three different types of magnetism that occur in materials there's diamagnetic and that's when you place an object in an external magnetic field it magnetizes and when you remove it it demagnetizes so when you put it on this piece of metal it sticks together when you take it off the other piece of metal is not magnetic right okay there's paramagnetic So when you place the material on external magnetic field, it weakly magnetizes parallel to and in the same direction of the external field. And when you remove the external field, the material demagnetizes and comes out with no internal magnetic field. I guess it has magnetic properties long enough to get keys out of the hole. (laughs) Yep. And finally, there's ferromagnetic. Uh, When you place your material into an external magnetic field, it strongly magnetizes parallel to the external field. And when the external field is removed, material may remain partially or even completely magnetized, retaining its own internal magnetic field. So basically, once they come apart, the, the new piece that wasn't magnetic is now magnetic. So if a human were to come magnetized, it would probably be these, this ferromagnetic type.
1: Okay. But not necessarily metal stuff.
0: I'll go over some examples in a minute. It wasn't always metal, but okay. they, they always confer magnetism because I guess, you know, sticking together, that's kind of synonymous with magnets, right? Oh, okay. Is it possible? Well, let's talk a little bit about the human body here now because, you know, this is what we talk about here in Some Weird Podcast. The human body is made up of all kinds of molecules. 95% of it is three things, water, lipids, or fats and proteins. So all three of these are not magnetic, right? Stick a magnet in water. And stick, the water sticks <laughs> to the magnet, right? Yeah, okay. Blood has, uh, you know, iron content in it. And you remember that X-Men movie where they gave the, the guy the pills with the extra iron and, and Magneto started making bullets out of the guy's blood?
1: <laughs> Very realistic. Yep.
0: Yeah. So anyway, uh, but they have tested the uh, hemoglobin and the iron in your blood to see if it actually is magnetic, and it's been proven not to be.
1: Oh, okay. I just thought iron was magnetic. Period.
0: I think it is, but I, I think the, when it's in blood and the volume, it, it's not actually magnetic.
1: The ratio is off. Yeah. So, like, if you put a magnet, like a real strong magnet, next to you, all your blood isn't going to go to that magnet. <laughs> it's going to
0: suck to one <laughs> side of your body. Yeah, I'd say. So I guess based on this extremely thorough analysis, the human body cannot become magnetic, right?
1: <laughs> yep. So far, I'm with you. People are like choking on their own comments now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway.
0: But yeah, you know, if 95% of your body is water, lipids, and proteins, and none of that's magnetic, how can you become magnetic, right? Yeah, gotcha. Having said that, there are several examples of people who have demonstrated this ability despite scientific evidence uh, saying that it's not possible. So here's a couple. And again, we're going to pronounce some names. From other countries, that's going to make it very difficult, and I apologize if I pronounce these wrong to these people who are probably not alive anyway.
1: <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> uh, the first one is Leonid Tinkeyev, and I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, but he's a, there's a Russian person uh, who uh, claims that after a nuclear accident in Chernobyl, transformed he and his wife into magnets.
1: Okay.
0: He can hold items weighing 23 kilograms on his chest. Doctors in Russia and Japan appear to have convinced that his abilities are genuine. And so there's no doubt the objects stick to their bodies as if they were magnetic.
1: 23 kilograms is a lot. Yeah, that's why.
0: 50 pounds-ish. Um, there's this other guy here, Nikolai Krygovchenko. Oh, my God. Another Russian. So I guess if you want to become magnetic, and go to <laughs> Russia. He was 12 years old and he leaned on a lamppost. And while walking home from school, he received an electric shock that tossed him across the road. So, you know, that's, that's your typical getting superpower story. Right. Uh, the next morning, while eating his breakfast, he dropped his spoon, and it stuck to his chest.
1: Oh. Uh,
0: he became magnetic, and he did all kinds of tests, and you see pictures of him, having stuck to him all around him.
1: Also his chest. So that's two of them.
0: Yeah. So then we have another guy. Uh, his name is Liu Throw Lin. And again, I, I pronounced that wrong, and I apologize. My uh, goodness. He was known as the Magnet Man. He could have objects weighing several pounds affixed to his skin without falling off. He'd have to do it at charity events. Uh, then we have... A rural Renan.
1: You chose a bad story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's Mr. Magnet Man. He was a Romanian man who holds the Guinness Booker World Record for the most weight attached to his skin. Uh, he had a 57-pound TV Whoa. hanging off him uh, with his magnetism. All right. And there's other examples, too. I mean, these are just a couple of quick you know, people who've demonstrated this ability. So based on the science, like I said before, it is impossible for humans to gain the ability of magnetism. However, many people, like we just discussed, uh, do possess some sort of ability to do it. So, how do they do it? Uh, there's a couple of theories. Number one, being exposed to a high amount of electricity or nuclear energy, preferably in Russia, will do it. Again, there's no scientific evidence to support that this will cause you to gain superpowers, but the doctors did say that the Chernobyl man didn't seem to have legit powers. Uh, you know, don't go and electrocute yourself to see if this will work, or don't go into a nuclear reactor to see if you're going to become magnetic. Right. So secondly, there's a protein in the eye. that And again, I don't know who did this test and how they decided to do this test, but uh, what they did here is they got this protein in your eye that when placed in fruit flies has the ability <laughs> to detect magnetic fields. Oh my God. Uh, the flies equipped with human protein showed a higher sensitivity to the magnetic fields, either moving towards the field when they were trained using a sugar reward.
1: You can't train Drosophila. <laughs> They only live twenty four hours, don't they?
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you make them do tricks. Circus life of a fruit fly. Uh, but again, uh, scientists stress it doesn't demonstrate the protein's ability to detect magnetism, or it doesn't mean that it is used the human eye for that specific function. Like you can't, <laughs> your <laughs> eyes become magnets. It's sucking at it all the nails. And again, I, I don't figure. I don't have no idea why someone decided to do this experiment.
1: That's wild.
0: Another one here, and this has gained a lot of popularity, especially over the last couple of years. People say that the COVID-19 vaccine gave people magnetic powers. What? You've seen the video where someone got the vaccine, and next thing they put a nickel or a dime or something on it and it sticks to oh, it.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, yes. That yeah. is just...
0: Yeah. So people say, oh, it's magnetic or filling us with <laughs> magnetic uh, liquids, whatever. But for the record, I mean, I don't even really want to talk about it other than bring it up because it has been in the news, but... Uh, for the record, vaccines have been analyzed, and they don't contain iron, nickel, cobalt, lithium, rare earth alloys, or anything like that. Right. Four, it's probably the most plausible uh, explanation, is that it's not actually magnetism that causes the items to stick to the body, but it's in fact friction. Friction is as the force that resists motion uh, when the surface of one object comes in contact with another. So if some humans have stickier skin, whether it be due to frictional forces, they sweat more, whatever the case may be. and. It causes items both metallic and non-metallic to stick. Mm. You get some kind of like a, a suction thing or a friction feel or whatever, right?
1: Yeah, like a billion suction cups on your skin that you can't see. They're microscopic. Yeah. Okay.
0: In every case where they came across these human magnets, the results appear to be the same each and every time. And they include, uh, if you measure the magnetic field around the person, you get a zero and null result. So there's no actual magnetic field around them. Okay. The same people who can stick metallic objects on their bodies can also stick non-metallic or ferromagnetic uh, metals to their bodies just as easily. So it's not specific to metal. It can be anything.
1: Uh-huh.
0: The sticking only occurs when the skin is smooth and hairless. Usually the, the subject is leaning back or sticking in the object, but they're never at like a 90-degree angle. So they're just kind of like having like to stick in there, but you know, not going far enough over so that it'll actually fall off type thing.
1: mm huh
0: James Randi, who was a a subject of a previous podcast that we've done, Um, he was a guy who kind of debunked a lot of uh, people's superpowers and that type of thing.
1: Did they call him the Amazing Randi or something like that? Yeah,
0: he's a a magician skeptic, basically, right?
1: I like that guy.
0: Yeah, I I really do too. He was a skeptic. Every time he saw one of these so-called magnetic people, he said, put talk powder on them and their skin and see if their magnetism still works, and it disappeared. And likewise, he said, okay, well, magnets can go through cloth and cotton and all that, so try and stick the stuff to your... Uh, Through the shirt and all that kind of stuff. And it never would work, right? Right. Whether or not people are actually magnetic, it's still impressive that they can hang TVs and 50 pounds or whatever (laughs) off your skin. Yeah. Uh, Not really much of a superpower, I guess. Uh, You're not going to fight crime by having spoons hanging off your chest, but uh, it's still weird.
1: (laughs) It's definitely weird. You said all those things like smooth skin and slightly leaning. It did make me think about ever see people that hang a spoon from their nose.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: That's kind of what this sounds like, but on a bigger scale.
0: Yeah, and like I said, some of these people are actually, you know, fairly heavy objects that can do it.
1: Yeah, it's impressive.
0: But it doesn't mean that they're magnetic, right? As, as some people claim to be, and you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, certainly back in the day, you know, people were trying to make money off of this, saying I'm the human magnet, and start doing it in, in these carnivals and all that. And that's when you know James Randi said, okay, put yourself full of talk powder, now try it and see what happens, right? Right. Yeah, that's human magnetism. Uh, interesting phenomenon. and Not probably true, but, you know, there are people out there that can hang pretty heavy objects off the body.
1: It sounds to me like these magnetic people, they didn't really do anything with it. It was just, I'm a magnet. Look, I'm at a carnival sideshow.
0: Yeah, they weren't out, uh, you know, a fire on the 15th floor of a metal building. And they <laughs> used their magnets to slide up the side of it and take the guy <laughs> and slide him down. right. It's a superpower that many people claim to have, and uh, it's been studied by a lot of people, and, and people have different theories as to why they think they have it, and most of it's been debunked by science as most of these things are.
1: No, oh, that's cool. I don't know if I'd want to be magnetic. I feel I'm more repulsive. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right, yeah. I like repulsive people as opposed to attracting
1: them. Oh, my. Cool. I have a different story about superpowers. I'm going to tell you about some people who claim to have infallible recall. I started to do my notes by saying that I think I have a pretty good memory, but um, you've pointed out just at the beginning of your story that I don't remember Mr. Quick at all. (laughs) And uh, I definitely do not have as good of a memory as you do, obviously. Um, Not only do you remember Mr. Quick, Hopefully that was a real person, but it seems like you're able to recite by heart every episode of The Simpsons, and I think you should leave that you've ever seen. But I think that in the general public, uh, not including present company, I'm probably a slightly better than average at trivia. Yeah. But also the amount of stuff that I cannot recall and have completely forgotten is staggering, would fill several warehouses.
0: For me, like I said, if I hear something very interesting, it kind of sticks with me. Yeah. But um, I forget many things too.
1: Yeah. I think that's the nature of most people. But like, how many times just in us recording this podcast, have you said like, do you remember blah, 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 which should have been our shared memory? And I go, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I don't remember at all. But that's the way memory is. Yep. I think we can easily conjure up distinct memories of big stuff or dramatic things, and things that are more mundane, they fall into oblivion. There's no reason for us to remember, so we don't. But that's not the case for a very, very small amount of uh, the population who have infallible recall, which is a super memory where you can remember every single detail of every day of your entire life.
0: Definitely don't have that.
1: No. <laughs> I don't even know if this is a superpower or a super burden. Maybe you and I will come to the conclusion by the end of this story. So, in smart person terms, infallible recall is called eidetic memory or hyperthymesia or highly superior autobiographical memory, abbreviated as HSAM. H-S-A-M.
0: I've heard people say they have photographic memory. Is that kind of the same deal?
1: We'll get to that. Okay. You have uh, the powers of psychicness, I think. (laughs) Uh, All right. So the first person to be diagnosed with, or maybe diagnosis is not the right term, maybe it's just proven to have this, was an American woman named Jill Price. Her H. Sam came out of the clear blue sky one day when she was 14 years old, specifically February 5th, 1980. In an interview with the Australian 60 Minutes, she says that she has absolutely no idea why she started to suddenly be able to remember everything. It just happened all at once. She actually found this very frustrating, like she was being driven mad with memories. She started to keep a daily diary around that time, which would later come in very handy when she reached out to neurosurgeon Dr. James McGaw at the University of California, Irvine. The reason she contacted him was to get some kind of an explanation or possibly relief from this maddening situation she found herself in. And she was the first one, like nobody had ever heard of this before. Again, to her, this infallible recall was not a good thing. She found it incredibly disruptive in her daily life. Dr. McGaw was a leading expert in memory and he was very skeptical, but he was pretty intrigued, as you would be, by a story like this. Now, I don't know how she found him. A lot of times we do these stories and you're like, and then they sought out such and such a person. How do you know? Do you look him up in the phone book? Where's the memory guy?
0: Yeah, we're talking 1980,
1: so. I don't know. It was weird. I wonder if there are other people that they're just like, this is just my life, I guess. I'm going to have to leave it alone. But however she did it, she found the right guy. Before her incredible superpower or superburden, she had no particular interest in memory whatsoever. Nothing traumatic happened. She was a regular person. So she finds the right guy and she comes in for a chat. Now, like I said, this phenomenon was previously unknown. So there was no established guideline for testing or diagnosis.
0: Oh, so she's like the first case ever?
1: First case ever. Oh, okay. First recorded case ever. Yeah, I'm sure there's been other people in the history of the world, but this is the very first person ever to be recognized. So he had no way to say, okay, we'll run this series of tests and then we'll know if you have infallible recall, right? He was unsure about how to approach it. So Dr. McGaugh started by testing her with this book that he happened to own that had recorded the daily major events of everything that happened in the 20th century. You know, some book of lists kind of a thing. (laughs) He stole. Shh, I didn't steal it.
0: The owner of the book lists is a listener of this (laughs) podcast, by the way.
1: Oh, Really? Okay, owner of Book of Lists, I borrowed it in
0: 1998.
1: Yeah, that's right. Anyway, we'll gloss over that one. So randomly in this (laughs) Book of Lists, he chose some event. He just kind of opened the book, assuming it was sometime after February 5th, 1980. And he was surprised that she was not only able to recall what happened on that day, but also in a personal way. So she would be like... On that day, I was painting my fingernails, and then I heard the news that Reagan was shot. Like, it was very personal. She remembered it in that way, not just that it was the thing that happened. Okay. Now, there's been some major events in history when, if you were alive, you can recall exactly where you were when you heard that news. So, for us, it was 9-11.
0: 9-11 was a news story of our generation, I guess.
1: Exactly. If you're like in our age range or if you were like a conscious human on uh, September 11th, 2001, you know exactly where you were. It was a Tuesday. Here in New Jersey, the weather was perfect. I was actually listening to Howard Stern on the radio, alone in my apartment. And he said that a plane hit the World Trade Center. I thought he was making a tasteless joke because it was Howard Stern, you know. And then he said the second plane hit. And his mood changed, the air changed, like you could feel the change. And then I turned on my giant 90s-style tube TV and watched the footage of what was going on in New York City, which is really about an hour from where I live. I was pretty stunned, but I could place myself in that frame of mind now, today, if I think about it. That's a sticking point in my head. Our parents' generation may say that they remember exactly where they were when Kennedy was shot. Yeah, exactly. As well as 9-11. You know, those events are major huge events in world history that you can say, I remember where I was when I heard. But people like Jill Price have that level of recall for every single thing that has ever, ever happened, big or small. Now, how does your brain function? Like, how does it not catch on fire (laughs) with all that shit going? Right? Like, constantly. Anyway. Dr. McGaugh first thought that this was a hoax, like some kind of a parlor trick. But by the end of the first meeting, he knew that he was seeing something real. I guess you can argue that some people are really good at remembering dates of historical events. Yep. But remember I said that she kept a meticulous daily diary? Yep. They started to use that to test her. So Dr. McGaugh and his team eventually would get out her diary, pick a random date, say, what happened on this date? And she could recall exactly what it was. She was able to recall every single thing in in there. Uh, Word got out, as it would, because this is a pretty strange thing. And then other people came forward to say that they also can remember every single moment of their lives in incredible detail. But this is very, very rare. As of 2021, there were about 7.8 billion people on Earth. 62 of them have been identified as having this HSAM. Mm, that's low odds. It's pretty low odds, including actress Mary Lou Henner, most famous for her role on the 1970s and 80s sitcom Taxi. Was that right? Yep, she can remember every single moment of her entire life. Now, there's ways to improve your memory. If you go to any self-help section of any bookstore or library, you'll find tons of books about it. And there's even a memory championship in the United States, where competitors annually vie for the title of best memory in a series of categories. I think Samuel L. Jackson announces the winner by saying, check out the big brain on Brad, you smart (laughs) motherfucker. (laughs) And if he doesn't, he should.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But my point is, uh, there's lots of people with extraordinary memories. You're one of them, obviously. You've proven that time and again. And then there's some people like those in the annual memory championship train on improving their memories. But so far, only 62 people with HSAM just remember everything. There's no training. There's no explanation. Some cases, they don't even want it. They actively do not like having this ability. But it just is. Nobody knows why. Dr. McGaw's team did MRIs, right? That's kind of your first yep. step into looking at the physiology of people, right? So they did some MRIs on some of the people and found that, you now you're talking about mispronunciations, there's a part of the brain called the caudate nucleus. Okay. All right. So in these people with the H-SAM, it was up to seven times bigger in those people. I don't know what this fucking shit is, but I looked it up. So according to healthline.net, the caudate nucleus helps process visual information and control movement. It's involved in working memory, cognitive function, and emotions. The structure plays a vital role in how the brain learns, specifically the storing and processing of memories, which is basically what your whole fucking brain does. So the team also found out that people with H.M. also have a tendency to do something in excess. In Jill Price's case, she obsessively kept a detailed journal. Every single day, Mary Lou Henner is obsessively organized. They do something to an extreme. But those traits are pretty common in the general public, I would say, but not that many people have this infallible recall. Oddly enough, it was also determined that the people who do have HSAM are no less likely to have false memories than anybody else. So they might remember it, but they might remember it falsely. Yeah. So it's not like if you have total recall, all the memories are 100% true. They just remember it that way.
0: It's like Costanza. It's not a lie if you believe it to be the truth.
1: <laughs> and there's a good example of your memory. <laughs> <laughs> now, one question that would inevitably come up, I think, with this is what about the bad stuff that happens to you? Yeah. I think our brains have a built-in defense mechanism to block out traumatic things or even mildly irritating things sometimes, Um, and that's for good reason. But what if your brain simply did not have the capability to box those memories up and lock them away, never to be thought of again? Maybe that's the kryptonite for this superpower. Yeah. Now, I think as kids, we all knew that one rumor about the kid who had a photographic memory. That person don't need to study or nothing. That's right, yeah. Yeah, every kid in every school in every place knows somebody who knew somebody who had a photographic memory. Now, I always thought that what good would it be to have a photographic memory? Just because you know that something is, it doesn't mean that you know why it is or how it works. To paraphrase Einstein, understanding something means that you can explain it to a five-year-old and have it make sense. Uh, infallible recall is still pretty remarkable, you know? Absolutely. So I guess my conclusion on it is that it's a superpower, but like all the comic book heroes, there's a downside, too. You can't turn it off.
0: How come Mary Little uh, Henner or whatever is not going to Celebrity Jeopardy and is kicking ass?
1: That's a good question. Maybe she has been.
0: But like, like you're saying, like they remember everything that happened in their life doesn't mean they know everything that happened. You know what I mean? Doesn't mean they're good at trivia.
1: Well, yeah, they would have to have some point of reference that it happened to them.
0: Or just read encyclopedias or whatever.
1: Well, yeah, then they would know. I'm going to see if she's ever been on Jeopardy. Mary Lou Henner on Jeopardy. She did go on Jeopardy.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, how'd she do? I hope she won.
1: Let's find out.
0: She lost to Sean Connery.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Off yours, <the artist>,
1: <laughs> Um She competed on Celebrity Jeopardy for this show's 11th season. How did she do? Well, it doesn't say. She just competed. <laughs> okay.
0: She was last.
1: That can't be right. <laughs>
0: So there's no um, reasoning for people to have this, besides they got the cotted or whatever it was? That's the only thing that they can see that's different? And
1: yeah, that's the only weird thing that they could see in the brain, that cotted nucleus or whatever.
0: You know what I think is they are? Like I said, if you ripped off their skin, they'd be green underneath, like on V.
1: Or <laughs> they're lizard people.
0: They eat rats.
1: They drink milk to get drunk. <laughs> we haven't talked about V in a long time. No. Mary Lou Henner didn't answer a single question on Celebrity Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good job
0: there, Mrs. Super Memory.
1: <laughs> Mary Lou Hanner didn't answer a single question while I was watching, but she did win? What the fuck? Is what am I looking at?
0: Play-by-play of it. That's... <laughs> I don't know. You know I think, I think she, she should stick a spoon on her chest and see if it sticks there. That's what she should do.
1: <laughs> She's the ultimate human.
0: <laughs> she got both. She's a magnet and a super smart
1: <laughs> Poor Mary Lou Hanner. Actually, she was on that Australian 60 Minutes as well, and she thinks that it's awesome that she can remember everything. I don't know. Would you want to remember every single thing that's ever happened in that detail? I think I'd go crazy.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. She like least to be able to monetize it somehow.
1: It's too good. <laughs>
0: it's too good.
1: <laughs> okay, so we've talked about people who are magnetic and people who remember everything. If you had to have one of those, which one would you choose?
0: <laughs> In terms of practicality, I think the memory is much more <laughs> practical than hanging spoons off your chest.
1: What about hanging TVs off your chest?
0: So TVs is a bit different, yeah. That might be better than the memory.
1: You could be a real life Teletubby. That's <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'd want to remember every single thing.
0: <laughs> I guess I choose to stay as I am.
1: <laughs> I choose nothing? Okay. Yeah,
0: sorry. I decline the superpowers.
1: <laughs> okay, aside from the two things that we talked about, what superpower would you like to have?
0: Um, I mean, I don't know. ability Do to manipulate machines?
1: Okay. <laughs> okay, how about this one? Invisibility or flying?
0: I'd probably go flying, I think.
1: I think I'd go invisibility, because then you could just go onto an airplane and fly.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Just stand in the aisle there. And...
1: and then you could act like a ghost and freak people out and then someone can write a story about it and it can end up on the podcast that's right I don't know you know what I choose nothing I choose to be a normal mediocre podcaster
0: that's right yeah <laughs> me too Yeah, that's, that's my superpower there you have it real superpowers
1: what do you think about these stories you can share your ideas with us at some weird podcast at gmail.com
0: or on the x or instagram machine at somewherepod
1: or at our website someweirdpodcast.com
0: yeah like i said we really do appreciate when you take a minute to uh let us know what you think of the podcast you know good or bad we've gotten some good feedback recently and like i said if you ever want to make a small independent podcaster's day take a few seconds just to write and say how much you appreciate or how much you enjoy it or what you think can be improved or anything like that
1: yeah your superpower can be making us feel worthy
0: that's right (laughs) there you go If you haven't done so already and you're new to this and you just found us, why don't you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast? That way you'll never miss any new episode.
1: Yeah, don't be so childish. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to help us, aside from reaching out to us and saying, you know what, that's a pretty fucking good podcast, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. We don't care how you do it. And then that helps other people discover us. And don't be afraid to tell a friend about the Somewhere Podcast.
0: Stories about infallible memories and magnetic people are somewhere by...
1: Some weird. How do you spell that?
0: F-E-R-R-O.
1: Oh, okay. I thought you said feral, like a feral cat.
0: And it's probably not pronounced right. Again, you know, podcasts is worst uh, worst nightmares trying to have to pronounce names and words that they don't really are not too familiar with.
1: Anytime we mispronounce something, we could just say it's our accent. And if people complain, then they hate Newfoundlanders.
0: There you go. That's good.
1: Get right defensive over it.